0: Dr. Angela earned her medical degree from University of Texas Medical Branch Galveston and completed her internal medicine residency and gained specialized training in allergy and immunology during her fellowship at University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis. Dr. Angela prides herself on being an empathetic doctor who always takes the time to listen to her patient's needs. She opened her very own practice in the DFW area where she combines knowledge with compassion, and she is proud to offer allergy and asthma relief for patients in Wiley and the surrounding areas.
1: Dr. Angela, how are you?
0: I
2: am doing great. How are you, Lena?
1: Good. I am so excited to have you on as a guest. So, just tell our audience a little bit about your background from uh, you being a Louisiana girl to XU and med school and here on to Dallas.
2: Yeah, well, thanks. First of all, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to you and all of your audience members um, for the In Pursuit of podcast. Um, so, yeah, just to jump right into things a little bit about me. So, like you mentioned, Grew up in Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana, born and raised. From there, um, went to college at the greatest university in the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> university of Louisiana. Um, and then continued with my education um, at University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston for my medical degree. And after that, um, internal medicine residency, allergy and immunology fellowship in memphis tennessee at the university of tennessee um and recently just finished my training in june of 2018 and relocated here to the great state of texas here in dallas with my husband
1: awesome so are you loving texas so far
2: i am loving texas i cannot complain i you know i'm from lake charles and lake charles for anybody that's kind of familiar with louisiana is literally like 30 minutes from the border of texas um my dad, for a while, worked in Houston, so we were always kind of back and forth. And so Texas, you know, is is pretty much a second home for me as well. And then you know, med school um, for four years. So yes, it's been great. It feels it feels similar to home, not quite, but but really close.
1: Great. Um, so when did you decide to take this journey to become a doctor?
2: Yeah. So um, I started considering medicine or a medical career when I was in middle school Um, and from that time until actually getting into medical school and then even throughout medical school kind of changed my mind a few different times about exactly what I wanted to do but I knew that I liked um, interacting with people I wanted to do something science related something health related um, where I could kind of impact people's lives and you know "Quote unquote," make them feel better um, and help people, as a lot of us physicians and people in the healthcare field say. So it was middle school, and then I kind of never looked back from there.
1: That's like really early
2: to make that decision and stick with it. Yes, well, yeah. So I I had, you know, lots of. There's actually a a story behind that. I'll kind of be brief with it, but I initially wanted to do psychology. um, Okay, and family member of mine was like, oh, you know, psychology, that's really great. I was just, and am still fascinated by the human mind and, you know, interacting with people and kind of how people decide to do what they do and human behavior and so forth. Um, and so that was where it started. And I knew very little about medicine. I have um, before at that particular point in my life had one family member who was in the medical field and is a cardiologist and works really, really hard. So if that was my only like, insight into medicine, I would not have chosen it Uh (laughs) I did not want that schedule of those hours. But, um, like I said, another family member of mine said, well, have you ever thought about medicine? You know, what about psychiatry or, you know, if you go to medical school, there's just like so many different things that you can do. Um, and you don't have to necessarily stick with one, one role. And a lot of fields are like that, of course, you know, as you get older and kind of see, um, how much you can do with any one particular degree. But that conversation kind of steered me into medicine. And I didn't know at the time, like I said, I was in middle school, my sister is eight years older than me. I had no idea at the time when she was in college that she was pre-med. And so, oh, okay, yeah. And so that, um, you know, as I got older and realized what she was doing, and then I, you know, started kind of continuing along that path in college as pre-med, that was also kind of fuel to the fire of, well, now I know somebody really close to me that's doing it um, and who, you know, loves it and is enjoying it. And so that was just extra encouragement on top of what I'd already gotten.
1: Right. So did she become like your personal mentor throughout yes. everything? <laughs> yes,
2: yes, pretty much. She, um, when I did my little like graduation spill for medical school, one of the things that I, I told her in, in front of everyone that I've kind of said before is, she is, is the light at the end of the tunnel for me, because Mm -hmm. it was, it's, you know, it's a hard journey. There's ups and downs and there's things that you're kind of like, oh my goodness, am I really supposed to be doing this? And seeing her get through it was very, very encouraging. And, you know, of course she had gone through it. So she knew exactly what I was dealing with in those different moments and how to encourage me and keep me, you know, keep me motivated along the way.
1: And I was going to ask you, were there points where you were scared or unsure about the process? But, um, of course, they occur. And you said Mm -hmm. you had your sister Mm -hmm. uh, for encouragement and reference. Yeah. But do you remember any specific points where you were like, am I going to really do this? Am I going to stay on this path? Do you remember any defining moments that you were like, I don't know?
2: Yeah. Well, I remember in medical school um,
1: during our second year, we had a UTMB
2: like organ system blocks. So we had a block for like the cardiovascular system, a block for the GI system. Um, and, you know, just kind of all the different systems of the body that was all second year. And, and one of the blocks, like I said, was GI. So gastrointestinal, this was supposed to be like the easiest of the blocks. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, Students ahead of us, you know, say, oh, you know, just do what you what you've been doing, blah, 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 as far as studying. No big deal. The test is really easy. And so I'm walking in. OK, like, well, you know, I've been doing OK so far. You know, I'm keep doing what I what I'm doing. And I walked out of the test feeling really good. Um, and I'll be completely honest. The scores came back and I was like, is that that? ain't?"
1: <laughs> Wait, I think they got the numbers backwards. Or something. <laughs> My oh, name please. on the wrong <laughs> lines.
2: Right, right. And I was like, devastated. But what happens, at least with our, with our school, they, most of the time, the blocks were graded on a curve. So you got your raw score, but you didn't really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And so I remember seeing that score on whatever, you know, I forget what they how they posted it. And it was the raw score. And I was like, I don't think that's good enough. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And it took two or three days for them to actually give us, you know, like the pass, fail, high pass, whatever actual grade. And for two days, I was on pins and needles. I full disclosure. I cried. I was like, I'm going to flunk out of medical school. Um, And then, you know, by the grace of God, a couple of days later, it was a pass. But that was definitely a low moment for me um, because you're so used to, and everyone, you know, in medical school, you know, all the professional schools, advanced degrees can attest to this. You're so used to being at the top of the bell curve for years Mm -hmm. and years and years. Um, And whether you try really hard or whether you just kind of float through and you stay at the top of that bell curve, that's where you're used to being. So to at any point shift further to the left, is, is, you know, it's scary and devastating. And and so I made it through, but that I will never forget. And ironically, um, so that was in medical school. And then I went on to internal medicine residency and, you know, internal medicine is basically all adult medicine. So whenever I took my board exam for internal medicine, GI was one of my highest scores. How or why that (laughs) (laughs) right came to be is is beyond me but um but yeah that was definitely a a a hard season for me okay
1: so what were some of your biggest challenges you think after becoming a doctor after that journey of going through school and residency
2: um the biggest challenge has been opening this practice Um, okay and just how much it takes to get from the idea to doors open to now I need to get people in here to pay the bill. You know, it's been just kind of little, um, little dips along the way, but, um, but just, you know, trying to keep your eye on the prize as, as best you can throughout it. Um, but yeah, that's been the hardest, I think the, the biggest thing. And really, I mean, that's kind of all I've done since I left fellowship has been working on this office and trying to make it happen. So,
1: and we talk a lot, you know, personally, but also mm-hmm. um, just so many of our friends are embarking on new pursuits. Mm-hmm. And I find that, you know, you're in medicine or I'm in healthcare, we're in all mm-hmm. these different things. But as soon as we kind of try to do something outside of that or you know, that takes extra skills. We're kind of, it's funny. We all become like base level. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're not <laughs> in marketing. So like we're yeah. all, you have to learn all of these things about marketing. You have to yeah. learn all of these things about business, um, social media. Like it's just so yes um funny. You have to become this Jill of all trades pretty much. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I'm sure that there there are struggles with that that you don't you may not think about on the front end or maybe you do, but you don't know how intricate they will be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The marketing is huge. Um, so we've been doing like Facebook and Google AdWords and, you know, have had some experiences along the way where we've kind of been like, you know, as much as we can do ourselves we want to do, you know, we don't want to like outsource a ton of stuff and just kind of blindly trust someone to care about our business, you know, my business, the way that I care about it. Cause nobody, I mean, who really can. Right. And so right. people will tell you that they can do um, a million different things and deliver like two of them. <laughs> and so um, for a long time, I kind of felt like, no, I'm going to do everything myself. But then there comes a point where you really got to value your time yep. and what you can be doing to make, um, make the vision come to fruition and the everyday little small things are not really going to get you there so you've got to think big picture and start delegating and taking stuff off of your plate and giving it to people that are professional you know that can kind of help you with that but marketing has been huge some of it i still do myself and then some of it i've just kind of let other people um take care of because it just makes more sense um, to, to let some stuff go so that I can work on the practice itself growing.
1: Okay. And so you talked about, this has been uh, like kind of the, the biggest thing you've done and it's been kind of challenging. How do you manage your stress during this time? Um, I have great support
2: friends. We hang out, we have margaritas, <laughs>
1: <laughs> margaritas <laughs> help greatly
2: exactly so yeah it's good to be able to have people to just talk about work if you want to talk about work but then also to just forget about you know what happened this week and just you know how how have things been going with you how's your family you know whatever um Mm -hmm. and just enjoy yourself and not be so consumed so It's a little bit of both, like being able to kind of vent whenever I am frustrated, you know, to people that understand and people that are supportive. But then also having that same support system that's just like, you know what, girl, let's just go and go to happy hour and Mm -hmm. everything will
1: be okay tomorrow. And do you think. Do you think that like, let's say, cause you're here, you say, you know, you have the support system, you have family and friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would be difficult if you were somewhere and you didn't have that circle? Maybe it was just you and your husband. Um, do you think that that would greatly impact kind of how you're doing and how you're going about things in your business?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be a million times harder if we didn't have the network that we have here in Dallas um like you mentioned friends I mean you and other uh Xavier friends and family members have been so key and just not even just the support of you know keep keep going you know y'all are doing a great job encouraging but also just being a resource for information you know like a resource for connections hey I don't know the answer to this but I know somebody that does or Um, have you you know joined this group or you know have you talked to so and so they're in you know such and such field and you know they know somebody or you know whatever the connection or the resource may be that is all very very helpful Um, on top of you know just the support like I mentioned in general so if we were anywhere else I think we would still be able to do it but it would be a lot more difficult
1: right what it is now. And I I actually remember being at Xavier and um, I forget like what actual presentation this was, mm-hmm. but it was a professional. He was a graduate and he was explaining, he was like, well, um, African-Americans don't tend to move to places where they don't have family and friends. Mm-hmm. And that kind of holds us back from kind of mm-hmm. uh, progressing in certain fields And just having been a person that kind of took that step, I went somewhere where I didn't know many people and I made friends (laughs) there, Mm -hmm. but I think, um, when kind of choosing that, you have to also factor in like your quality of life, like being around, if you like that support, if you like to be able to go and have margaritas with your friends, (laughs) I mean, it does matter. It does matter. And it does contribute to your happiness and success in a way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like when I, um, so after Xavier, like I mentioned, I went to Galveston for medical school, and uh, I—I'll be honest, I probably didn't give um, Galveston a fair shake after being uh-huh. in New Orleans for four years. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, and it was med school, so you know, how much fun do you have? I mean,
0: other and you people have different
2: experiences, right? <laughs> but you know, I wasn't really going to have a great time. So there were a lot of different factors, but certainly like it was for me a place where I knew, no, and I didn't know anybody that was there. Um, and I made friends while I was there, but it, it just wasn't the same. And, you know, it makes a difference when you have people that you can really like connect with and people that you feel, um, you know, that you've known for years or, you know, just good friends that you've met along the way that you can kind of still feel like, you know, you understand what I'm going through and we're on the same
1: page. Right. Right. So what made you choose your specialty?
2: Yeah, so allergies. So I um I grew up with allergies. I didn't know it for uh-huh. years. Um, it was one of those things where my mom was like, you didn't turn that fan off at night. That's why you're always sniffing and, <laughs> sniffing and sneezing. So what I'm all not- of us get told? Right, right. Put some socks on when you go to bed. So (laughs) I had the symptoms that everybody has, but there was no name for it as far as I knew. I just thought that, you know, I just had issues, sinus issues. My mom has them, my brother has them, and we all just kind of suffered through it. And so um, when I was in college, that was my first time actually seeing an allergist myself, like as a patient. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first learned that the field even existed because it is a very small field relative to, you know, a lot of other specialties. And so I didn't know anybody that had been to an allergist, had never met one, had no idea that this was even a thing. And whenever I started seeing her and then subsequently getting treated in medical school and noticing like the improvement in my quality of life, like I'm not sniffing and sneezing all the time. I can go outside and I don't feel miserable within like 10 minutes of me being outdoors, like this is amazing, that's when I knew <laughs> that I wanted to do it. So I would say for sure I knew in medical school um, and then just kind of continued with that dream along the way. And, and here we are all these years later.
1: <laughs> and are there many uh, Black female physicians in this specialty?
2: There are. Um, I've met a few. Um, it is definitely like when I've gone to some of our national conferences and stuff in the past few years, um, there are not very many of us and relative to some other specialties, I think we are certainly, um, underrepresented in, in mm-hmm. medicine in general, but even more so probably an allergy compared to some other specialties. Um, so no, there aren't very many and, and black males either. I've met maybe two along the way. Um, in the past, you know, a few years and, and that's really about it. So. And so why do you think that is? Um, you know, I think part of it is part of it is, it's a field that a lot of people don't know about. Even other physicians I've run across are like, Oh, allergies. So like, you just see like runny noses all day, like, and they don't understand, (laughs) you know, right. The breadth of what we do or, you know, even how to get to, well, I didn't, even though that that was a specialty, what, did, what kind of training did you do before you went into that? Or can you do that right out of medical school? So there's just a lot in the medical field as, you know, in itself where people are not exposed to it. It's not a, a mainstream, um, one of the more popular fields. Um, but then also it's a field where um, for years and even still it is um, more dominated by the majority. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that just continues over time in any profession to, you know, re um, what's the word I'm looking for when people, you know, have a preference for um, people that look similar to them or are more comfortable, you know, it, it's just a it's kind of that,
1: a, yeah, yeah a cycle of those people continuing to yeah it, yes yes yeah, yeah. to be pushed in towards that way or encouraged right. to even go into that specialty yeah 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 okay so, so a little bit of both of those things okay so to piggyback off that any unique stressors you feel like you have as a double minority in the field of medicine as a whole um you
2: know people whether you're white or black or whatever type of female people will 90% of the time assume that you're the nurse (laughs) Ah! Um, in training. I shouldn't say 90%, but I mean, you can introduce yourself. Yeah. You can introduce yourself as doctor and somebody will inevitably, you're walking out of the door. I'm so glad that nurse came in here. And I just spent like 20 minutes with you. Like, (laughs) <laughs> asking you detailed questions about your medical history and talking to you about we're, what we're going to do, but you still think I'm the nurse. Nothing wrong with nurses, but... <laughs> but that's not your title. That's not my title. And so um, I think just as a female, you get that. In addition to that, as a minority female, um, just the usual of what you would expect with a lot of other professions. And of course, this isn't, you know... Everyone that you meet um, has this perception, but people, you know, kind of wonder, well, how did how did you get here or are you good enough? You know, you're always having to kind of prove yourself um, no matter what you do when you're a female and a minority on top of that. So I don't think it's I don't think there's anything necessarily unique to medicine other than the nurse. Part of it.
1: <laughs> so we're all going through the same thing all in, in whatever field. Thing. Yes, yes, exactly. And what would you tell young black girls, or actually any young girls, any females specifically who want to become a physician? What, what advice would you give them early on? Um,
2: I would say keep pushing for whatever you feel you want to do, because whatever you want to do in healthcare, you are needed. Um, like I mentioned, we're uh, underrepresented across the board, no matter what specialty, some more than others. Um, so whatever is in your heart, like, don't let anyone tell you, well, I don't know any black female this or I don't know any female that or minority this or whatever. There are still people, unfortunately, that are being the first in, you know, certain programs or the first mm-hmm. in certain specialties. Um, so keep pushing for whatever your goal is and your dream is. And don't let those that um, don't know you well enough have any say in your life whatsoever.
1: Um, that's, so really yeah, good advice. That's,
2: that's the advice I
1: would give. That's really good advice. And I think sometimes it's even those closest to us that they, don't, they're, they mean well, but they're you know, discouraging us yeah to to aspire to the greatest that we can be, or yeah. uh pursue our dreams, so that's good advice, yeah. yeah, so you are a physician and your husband is a dentist, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you fell in love in college, so now you guys are successful and together in building both building practices. was that a priority for you going into college? was finding a husband and getting married? Was that all in your big picture or did it just happen naturally and here you are setting goals out here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so marriage was certainly something that I wanted. Um, I went to college, of course, with the intention, you know, of getting a degree and going into medical school. Like I mentioned, I already knew that that was what I wanted to do once I left. So that was my priority. But I was, you know, fortunate that along the way. I found my spouse, um, had it happened later, you know, I wouldn't have been devastated, you know what I mean? But it was definitely something that I was considering, like I would like to meet my husband in college or, you know, soon after, because that's what my parents did. And I just felt like that was the right time for (laughs) Mm -hmm. for things to work out. Um, so yeah, it just
1: sort of happened that way, but. And was, okay. You said that that's how your parents kind of, that was.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: how they were and I think a lot of times for you know women who have all these aspirations and they are smart and driven sometimes it's like your family is always like but hey make sure you find your husband so was your family (laughs) like that or were they more so just stay the course and if it happens it happens
2: yeah, I was I'm fortunate in that my parents were not very pushy about me being in a relationship or getting married by, you know, any particular timeline. And even now, like we don't have kids. They don't ask us about it. You know, they know that we're um, pursuing our careers and working really hard at that. And so um I'm sure they wanted it for me, but, you know, they never made a big deal about, well, are you dating anybody or, Mm -hmm. you know, when are y'all going to get married? It was never a thing for them. They were just like, keep doing what you're doing. Keep working hard. Um, Focus on school. Focus on your career.
1: And everything will, you know, will fall into into place. Yeah. And how does having a spouse that's a doctor also help while building your career? It is very, very helpful.
2: <laughs> um, so he, you know, like you said, he's a dentist. He understands a lot of what I'm dealing with and what I go through and, you know, the ups and the downs. And, and he's on this road as well with me building his practice. So we bounce ideas off of each other. He's farther ahead than I am as far as the start of the practice. So um, a lot of the heavy lifting he was able to do kind of through trial and error and that.
1: And <laughs> you're me, able to
2: take notes. Yeah, I take <laughs> notes and I'm like, no, no, we won't be doing it that way. You know, we've learned that. We've learned that mistake uh, not to make. And so, so yeah, it's, it's good because he's an awesome support, but he also understands and it's in the midst of it as well. And has a lot of wisdom about how to navigate XYZ
1: situation, you know, at any given time and you moved here and you both moved here with the intention to build your practices. So how, what were just some of the stresses lessons and blessings while you both were building your practices or are building even now? Yeah. Yeah. Still
2: building, <laughs> still building. Um, so some of this, the biggest stress I think has been the financial part of it to be quite honest. I mean, mm-hmm the practices are brand new. Neither of us are even at the six month mark at this point. And so you expect it to still be slow, but then you're kind of disappointed that it's still slow. Yeah. You've got bills to pay, but then you don't have, you know, like, you're like, how much money, you know, it's balancing the ins and the outs of your, of your practice and still being able to take care of your obligations at home, you know, your mortgage, mm-hmm. your rent, your groceries, whatever. So that's been the biggest thing. And we've been, you know, we've been managing. We've been blessed to to been, to been be able to manage, but it's still an every month struggle. Like, okay, we got to keep pushing. We got to keep working these extra jobs to make ends meet so that we're not pulling out of the practices prematurely before they have a chance to really get to their full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been the biggest thing as far as, blessings. Um, It's a blessing to be able to walk into a space that is yours, a space that you um, can create a vision for and not have it dictated to you how things are going to go.
1: Yeah. And you've been in that setting before. So, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I have the freedom to pick, you know, the staff I want to make the hours the way that I want to decide how I want to treat, you know, my patients. I don't have to have someone tell me, well, you should, you know, you should offer everybody this, if that's, you know, things that may not be warranted or needed. Um, and I can spend as much time with my patients as I want or, you know, and, and really do medicine the way that I want to do it and build an office that looks like what I want it to look like as far as what people um, experience from, the time that they call to the moment that they walk out of the door. Um, and that's been a huge blessing because it it really is not something that everyone has the opportunity
1: to do. So I'm I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position to be able to do it. OK, and you mentioned like just the financial piece, which mm-hmm. made me think of, You know, some of the sacrifices that you obviously probably had to take to even get to opening up the practice and while you're there, Mm -hmm. are there any like specific sacrifices that you had to make in preparation for this?
2: Yes, we have not been doing very much traveling at all.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
2: To the point where, um, you
1: know, people were just like, we're not even going to ask them because they (laughs) told us no about
2: three, four times and... (laughs)
1: but that I mean that is a that is a common thing everyone says like it's gonna be some no's yeah yeah
2: Yeah. so I mean and that's a big thing of course travel you know travel can be expensive doesn't have to be but travel can be an expensive thing that you can easily cut when you're on your road you know you're on the road to grinding um towards whatever your dream is but even sometimes just like the smaller things like well we we're not going anywhere this weekend you know so and so invited us but. We really need to, like, we need to stay at home. We need to save some money um, and not have margaritas this time <laughs> or, or whatever. You know? Right. It can be a little bit of anything lifestyle wise um, so that we can make sure that we're taking care of what we need to take care of at home um, and not, you know, and, and not be like you just can't be out. Out being a mess and your money ain't right, you know. It's just right, not, <laughs> it's right. Just not the way you should live your life, reckless and such. So. <laughs> but
1: it's 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 funny because people aspire to build things or mm-hmm. you know start their own business, but you, you have to let go of those things. Something as yeah. simple as happy hours and margaritas and traveling, yeah. and you you it really takes cutting it out before you even get to that step. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm talking to myself too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've all been guilty of you know going, you know going wherever and we knew we probably should have stayed at home, but to do it consistently you're just not you just not being responsible or you just don't really care about what you think you
1: care about. Right, right. So what would you say personally and professionally has been your biggest accomplished to, accomplishment to date? I'm sure opening Um, anything else?
2: Um, my biggest accomplishment today, I think just the fact that I have persevered through, um, through medical school and residency and fellowship. Um, I mean, outside of open this practice, I don't feel like I've done anything, you know, more spectacular than most other physicians do, um, So, yeah, I think I kind of want to say that one is my biggest accomplishment because it is something that most people don't dream to do. And there were people before I opened the practice, you know, where I trained in Memphis that kind of gave me the side eye. But the people that were encouraging about it were people that had already walked in those shoes. Um, And those were the people that said, no, absolutely. If you have any desire to do this on your own, then you should do it. Um. So yeah, I don't. I accomplished a little bit more than. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is a huge accomplishment.
1: No, that is pretty big. I just regular. (laughs) No, the opposite of regular, the opposite. So to piggyback on that, what Mm -hmm. made you say, "I don't want to work in someone else's practice. I want my own"?
2: Yeah. Well, there's a story behind that. <laughs> oh, yes. That not a lot of people know. So so um like you mentioned my husband is a dentist. He opened his practice in October. We knew for at least probably 2 years before we left Memphis that he was going to be opening his practice once we once I finished um fellowship and then we relocated to Dallas. So that was always the plan or had been the plan for quite a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so the other part of the plan was Angela is going to get a job and make some money. (laughs) (laughs) And so I interviewed, um, it's been a little over a year now. It was December of last year as I was kind of in the middle of my last year of fellowship interviewed um, at, you know, an office uh, here in the area and allergy being a small field, small field, there weren't a lot of positions open Um, And a lot of people in allergy are still solo practitioners, which is not very common in medicine these days. And so they just didn't need help. And the, you know, the office that did, I went and met with the, with the staff, with the guy, felt like it was a really good fit. And then I got the contract. So I had um, an opportunity to interview with an office here in the Dallas area, met with the guy, um you know, had the chance to spend a day in his clinic, felt like this is a really good fit, office seems really well run, this is going to be amazing. And then I got the contract. And one of the biggest um, things for me that I did not feel comfortable with in the contract was the non-compete. And not to go into it too, too much detail, but basically for those that for anybody that doesn't know what a non-compete is, lots of professions have it, of course, and it's basically just um, a means of whoever you are working for protecting their clientele or their patient base by requiring you for a certain amount of time um, to practice outside of a particular radius that they set. And so this particular non-compete was three years. So three years after I would leave, you know, decide I wanted to leave that job for three years. I could not practice allergy within um, a 15 mile radius of any office that he owned at the time or would own in the future. And he had a a couple of offices. So that was a big, big deal. That was like most of North Dallas, (laughs) which would require me for three years to commute or to violate the non-compete. And you can take your chances with violating a non-compete and see where that gets you. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. But I just really felt like it wasn't allowing me the opportunity if I decided I didn't want to stay there um, to go anywhere else and not be pretty much pushed out of the city or, Mm -hmm. you know, commute over an hour and hope that something over an hour was available for me. And I didn't like that restriction. I didn't really feel like... um, you know, with the desire, I did have a desire at that time to open a practice. It was not my desire or my intention to do it right away. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the, the plan was to work for a little bit and then kind of fill it out. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, me and my husband talked about it and, you know, I prayed about it and it was just kind of like, you know what, this is stifling, potentially stifling your growth um, for a very long time. And so, with that, um, I made the decision to just, you know what, now is as good a time as any, I can do this on my own. And so that is how I ended up um, straight out of fellowship, (laughs) opening a practice, which is not what people usually or traditionally do. Um, And that was mainly it, you know, I mean, the the non-compete was a big thing too, but it was, it was also just, I wanted a practice that I could be proud of and I could really direct the vision of it and have mm-hmm. you know the people that work in the office as well as the patients feel like this is an amazing place and you know I feel at home when I'm here or I feel respected I feel listened to I feel cared for and not just a number in and out the door or you know have the staff feel like they're disposable like I want everyone to feel the warmth that you would feel if I were inviting you into my home. Um, And I think that's hard to do when you are not the owner and the visionary. And so Mm -hmm. that along with the contract and, you know, the desire that I kind of already had to have my own, um, have my own office was, was what led me to decide to not work for somebody else. And take that leap. A huge leap.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So you mentioned not people, not even many, some people in the medical field don't mm-hmm. know about this specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you encourage to come see you if they are in the Dallas area? What, yeah. what does your patient look like?
2: Yeah, so my patient is the person who is, of course, the seasonal allergies, like we all know that and understand what that is. You know, the hay, f- hay fever, as, as we sometimes call it, or sinus issues, but also the person that has problems with their breathing, asthma issues, um, allergists are specialists in that, of course, food allergy concerns. So if you're like, you know what, I I think I'm allergic to something, but I really don't have any idea. Then that's the kind of person that, you know, we can, they can walk in the door. We can try to tease things out and make a plan for how we can figure this out and get to the bottom of it. Um, Also, the immunology side is like frequent infections. Um, So if you've got sinus infections all the time or you somebody that has pneumonias and haven't really pinpointed exactly why this keeps occurring, um, you know, we can do work up as as far as immune system stuff to make sure that there's not something developing or brewing that needs to be addressed. So, yeah, any allergy concerns that you can think of whatsoever, medications as well, penicillin allergy.
1: Immunology stuff and asthma. That's what we do. Okay, okay. And tell us, you have your your. I don't want you to think that opening your practice is not no, a good accomplishment. No, no. no but you're amazing. <laughs> you have already achieved so much already just by opening your practice. What are you in pursuit of? Oh man, um, I am in pursuit of
2: freedom in all aspects of my life. So we talked about the freedom professionally to be able to create an environment for your staff, for your patients that you don't, you know, necessarily have or see in other other offices, but also freedom financially, freedom to be able to travel and just, you know, if I want to have a week off, I'm not having to worry about if so-and-so says it's okay for me to take off you know it's it's my office I can do as I please um so yeah freedom to be able to create a life the life that I want at work but also outside of work
1: and that's important mm-hmm. and just to, yeah outside is is just as important as you know what we aspire to in our careers yeah absolutely so thank you very much for being a guest on our podcast. Wonderful interview. I learned so much about you.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for having me. It was great.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to our seventh episode of the In Pursuit Of podcast featuring my good friend, Dr. Angela Fadahunsey. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at allergywiley. Allergy Wiley and on Facebook at Allergy and Asthma Care of Wiley. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information on Angela's practice and how you can contact her. Also, you can find info for all of our previous guests and um, upcoming guests in each show's episode notes. This podcast is created and produced by myself, Alina Melton. The podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms, Please follow the show's Instagram page at underscore in pursuit of. We're seven episodes in and I am really proud. I've loved the feedback. So keep it coming. Also, please send recommendations for other amazing guests we can have on this podcast. Um, You can do so via Instagram, text, Facebook, email um, at I am in pursuit of at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and don't forget to write a five-star review.